The Bible is clear that every follower of Jesus faces trials, hardships, suffering. Every follower of Jesus. And the Bible is also clear that trials can affect us in two very different ways. Trials can weaken our faith, so we are drawn away from Christ. Or trials can strengthen our faith, so we are drawn to Christ. And in today's passage, we're going to see what we need to understand about who God is, so that when trials come, instead of being weakened in faith and drawn away from Christ, we're strengthened in our faith and drawn to Christ. The passage is Exodus chapter 14. Let's turn there together. Let me give you some background. Here's what's been going on in the book of Exodus. Israel, God's people, have been suffering terribly as slaves in Egypt. But God calls Moses and Aaron to go to Pharaoh and to say to Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord, let my people go. So Moses and Aaron do that. Pharaoh says, No. And then God proceeds to bring powerful, frightening plagues upon Egypt. The Nile River turns to blood. Frogs fill the land. Boils, painful boils come upon people. And worst of all, Passover night, the firstborn of every family, life is taken, killed. And Pharaoh relents, says, go, go. And Israel departs, freed from hundreds of years of slavery. But now in the first few verses of, verse of, of Exodus 14, we see that God now is preparing Israel for what's going to be a terrible trial that they're going to face. He prepares them for this. They're on their way. They've left Egypt. They're heading towards the promised land. And now God prepares them for a terrible trial. So let's ask, how does God prepare them for this trial? What does God do? Look at verses 1 through 4, Exodus 14. Then the Lord said to Moses, Tell the people of Israel to turn back and encamp in front of Pihaheroth between Migdol and the sea. In front of Baal Zephon, you shall encamp facing it by the sea. For Pharaoh will say of the people of Israel, They're wandering in the lands. The wilderness has shut them in. And I will harden Pharaoh's heart, God says. And he will pursue them, the people of Israel. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his host. And the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord. And they did so. Now, Israel has been traveling toward the promised land. But now God tells them to, to turn back, take a little turn here and, and go to a place where they will end up right by the Red Sea. There they are. And God also tells him that Pharaoh's going to notice this and that God is going to harden Pharaoh's heart so he decides to pursue them. But God says to Israel, you don't need to worry. I will get glory over Pharaoh and his armies. I will get victory over them. And the Egyptians once again will see that I am the Lord. I am the only true Lord and God. 
Now, just think about how helpful this would have been for Israel. God warns them, I'm going to make Pharaoh come after you and pursue you, but I'm going to be victorious. It's going to happen, but I'm going to get the victory. Not only would Israel have known that from this warning, but also for hundreds of years, God has been promising Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the people of Israel, I'm going to take you to the promised land. God's been promising that. You're going to go to the promised land. I'm going to make you richly blessed there. And from you, I'm going to bring to the earth the Messiah, Jesus, whose death will pay for the sins of everyone who trusts him so we can be reconciled to God and have the heart-filling joy of knowing God. So Israel had all these promises for hundreds of years that we are going to the promised land. God has promised that. And now God warns them with a specific warning about, here's a trial that's coming. Pharaoh's going to come after you but I've got this. I'm in complete control. I will get the victory. That's what God says. So Israel has everything that she needs in order to face this trial. Do you feel that? Everything she needs. She is set. So what happens? Verses 5 through 9. When the king of Egypt was told that the people had fled, the mind of Pharaoh and his servants was changed toward the people. And they said, what is this we have done? We've let Israel go from serving us. All this slave labor, what were we thinking? So he made ready his chariot and took his army with him and took 600 chosen chariots and all the other chariots of Egypt with officers over all of them. Massive army. And the Lord hardened the heart of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. And he pursued the people of Israel while the people of Israel were going out defiantly. The Egyptians pursued them, all Pharaoh's horses and chariots and his horsemen and his army, and overtook them, encamped at the sea by Pihahiroth in front of Baal-Zephon. So picture it. Israel has camped at the Red Sea, and Pharaoh and his armies are thundering toward them, massive army, chariots, horsemen, thundering towards them. So Israel is trapped between the, the Red Sea and Pharaoh's armies, trapped. But God had prepared them for this, right? They were ready. God had told them, I'm going to bring this about, Israel. I'm going to harden Pharaoh's heart. I'm going to cause this to happen. Now, obviously, Pharaoh and his armies were involved. They made choices. They're going to come and take them back, but God is saying, I am in complete control. This is part of my plan. This is part of my purpose. I'm bringing this about, and I am going to get the victory over Pharaoh and his armies. So Israel should have been, like, completely at peace, right? Okay, God's told us what's going to happen. Let's watch this happen. That's not how they respond. Look at how they respond. How did God's people respond, verses 10 through 12. When Pharaoh drew near, the people of Israel lifted up their eyes, and behold, the Egyptians were marching after them, and they feared greatly. So instead of being completely at peace, they feared greatly. Oh no! What's happening? Pharaoh and his armies are coming! Total fear. Verse 10 the people of Israel cried out to the Lord. Now, we don't know exactly what they cried out to the Lord, what they said, but I think we can get an idea from what they said to Moses. Look at their heart attitude in verse 11. 
They said to Moses, is it because there are no graves in Egypt that you've taken us away to die in the wilderness? What have you done in bringing us out of Egypt? Can you, can you feel their sarcasm, their bitterness? I mean, Moses, there weren't any graveyards in Egypt. You had to bring us all the way out here so that we could die. Why have you brought us out here? Verse 12, they go on. Is not this what we said to you in Egypt, Moses? Leave us alone that we may serve the Egyptians. It would have been better for us to serve the Egyptians than to die in the wilderness. Better a live slave than a dead free man. So the people of Israel are feeling fear and anger and hopelessness. Can you feel that? Now, why is that in their hearts? Why are they responding this way? Church, it's the same reason we all do. It's the exact same reason. It's because Israel was not believing what God had said. Israel was ignoring what God had said. God had prepared them for this. They were, uh-uh, I don't believe it. I'm ignoring it. They'd forgotten about what God had said. I mean, think about it. God had told them, I'm going to make, Israel, make Pharaoh come after you with all of his armies, and I will get the victory. God had told them straight up, clear as can be. But Israel's response here shows that they are not believing what God said. They are not trusting what God said. They are ignoring what God had said. All that they can see is the Red Sea's in front of them, and Pharaoh's armies are behind them. It's all they can see. We're trapped. They're ignoring who God is over the whole thing. God's there working. They're ignoring him and just focused on the circumstances around them. They've chosen to not believe God. They're ignoring what God had said. And church, isn't that what we do as well? It's my struggle. It's yours also. God has said throughout the Bible that he is in sovereign control of everything. Everything. Including our trials. And he's promised, he's promised us that every trial is going to bring us great good. Great good. Doesn't mean it'll be easy. Doesn't mean there won't be sorrows and heartbreak. Trials are trials. Won't be easy. But we can know that great good is coming from every trial that our sovereign God allows to come our way. God has told us that. He's told you that. He's told me that in his word. Let me give you two examples. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Remember the situation. Joseph's brothers had sold him. They were jealous of him. They were spiteful toward him. They sold him as a slave into Egypt. But Joseph ended up becoming the number two man over all of Egypt. So that it was great good for Joseph to be there, but also so that he could provide food for God's people during a terrible famine. But look at how Joseph describes what his brothers had done. In Genesis 50, verse 20, 
He describes it in two very different ways. We can tend to focus on only one of these ways, but both of them are crucial to see. Genesis chapter 50, verse 20. Joseph is talking to his brothers after this has all happened, years later, and he says, As for you, you meant evil against me. Now just stop right there. You meant evil against me. Joseph's brothers committed real evil, wickedness, pure wickedness. They chose to do evil. You meant evil against me. But Joseph doesn't just see that. That's true. That's a true statement about what happened, but that's not all that Joseph's brothers did. Keep reading. Read the whole verse again. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it. He meant your evil for good. The brothers meant evil against Joseph, but God meant, didn't just turn their evil for good, he meant their evil for good. So God planned and purposed Joseph's brothers' evil actions. But it wasn't evil for God to do that because God was doing that to bring great good to Joseph and to the people of Israel. Now let's read the whole verse so you can see these two both true descriptions of Joseph's brother's actions, both essential to see. As for you, you meant evil against me. That's one description, true description. But God meant it for good. Another description, true description, the ultimate description. To bring it about that many people should be kept alive through the famine as they are today. So Joseph's brothers kidnapped him and sold him into slavery but Joseph knew that God had not forgotten him. Joseph had not forgotten God. He, he had not ignored what God said. Joseph knew what God had revealed to Joseph about who he was, that God meant this to take place. God had planned this. God had purposed this in order to bring about great good. Amazing statement here. So God's in control of Joseph's entire circumstances, and he's bringing this trial about to bring Joseph great good. And that's not just true for Joseph. That's true for every follower of Jesus Christ. Where do we see that? Romans chapter 8, verse 28. Here's the second scripture I want to use to support this point. Romans 8, verse 28. And we know that for those who love God, all things, underline those words, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. So Paul's here talking about those who love God and those who are called according to his purpose in Christ. So it's everyone who's trusting Jesus. You're trusting Jesus Christ this morning as your Savior, as your Lord, as your treasure. This is true for you. All things work together for good which means that God is in control of all things and promising that everything he brings to us, everything, the blessings and the heartbreaking trials, everything is bringing us great good. Of course, the million-dollar question is, what is the good? 
There's all kinds of good things that God can bring out of trials, but all through the Bible, we see that one thing is described as the ultimate good, and that is our closeness with God through Jesus Christ. God is the prize. It's in his presence that there's fullness of joy. So trials can bring us all kinds of different good. God can work in all kinds of different ways. But there's one good that he always brings us, that he always intends to give to us through every trial, and that is we're closer to Jesus through the trial. We're sensing more of his comfort and his nearness and his love through that trial. We have sweeter heart fellowship with our Savior, knowing God through Jesus through that trial. That's the good that God is intending to bring to us with every trial that comes our way. There's other good aspects as well that he does, but that's the, that's the guarantee, that's the core, that's the best, that's the ultimate good that he brings to us. Let's take some examples. Let's say your manager uh, does something completely unfair, just shows blatant favoritism towards someone else. So it's your manager doing something unfair, but what we have to understand is that it's not just about your manager and you. God is ruling over this whole situation. God is in complete control of what's happening with your manager. God is standing over the manager. He says, I'm here. I'm in complete control of this. This is part of my plans. This is part of my purpose. Trust me, great good is coming to you through this. Great good. Now, you may need to go talk to you. HR about it. You may do all kinds of other things you can do, but the biggest picture is God is in control and great good is coming to you through this, especially the good of more nearness with the Lord as you rely on him, of shining with more of Jesus' glory as you endure possibly injustice in the office place without revenge or retaliation, with hope and with peace and with joy, having your heart filled afresh with Jesus' love as he sustains you through that trial. God's in complete control of that. See, so often we just see the manager and me, and that's as far as our picture goes, and, and we're, we just like cut it off right here, but over everything is God saying, I'm in control of this. Great good is coming. Maybe a friend who you, maybe you thought was a friend hurts you in some very harsh way. Oh, I mean, that, that can be so disappointing and painful when that happens. But again, it's not just about your friend and you. God is over all of that. And he's looking at you saying, trust me. Trust me. All things work together for good. This is part of my control, part of my plan, part of my purpose. Trust me. Great good is coming to you. Yes, this is heartbreaking. I see your tears. I will wipe away your tears. This is hard. But great good in Christ is coming to you. Trust me. Seek me. Rely on Christ. Great good is coming. And think of how often when trials come, we just see a very limited part of it. And we, we, we leave God out of the picture. Some of you are hoping to travel this summer. Another example. Hoping that some of these quarantines are going to lift so that you can travel. Well, it's not just about you and your travel plans and the government. God's over everything. Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is a stream of water in the hand of the Lord. He, the Lord, turns it wherever he wills. The government will do exactly what God chooses to do. Praise God for the wisdom that God has given the government here. 
God's ultimately in control. And so if you're disappointed with the decisions that come, God says, talk to me about this. I'm in ultimate control here. You can trust me. Look at the cross. I love you. And great good is coming through this, yes, disappointing, yes, heartbreaking change, but great good is coming to you in Christ through this. Oh, church, this is amazing. This is so powerful. God has warned us about trials. Didn't just warn Israel in Exodus chapter 14, 1 through 4. God has warned us about every trial we face. So are we like Israel? What's going on? What's happening? Why are there trials taking place? I thought you loved me. God does love us. Let's not ignore what God has said. Let's trust what God has said. With tears, with weeping, with sorrow, this does not make trials painless. But oh, it gives hope. It gives strength. And yes, it gives joy. You can joy. You can have joy through tears. Let's not forget what God has said. He's warned us. He's prepared us for trials. Now back to Israel. Israel has forgotten all about what God said. They're not believing God. Full of fear. So what does Moses do? This is so encouraging. Verses 13 and 14. And Moses said to the people, Fear not. Love those words. Stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you, and you have only to be silent. So Moses basically repeats the same preparation that God gave to them in verses 1 through 4 with different words. God is bringing a trial, Israel. He's bringing this trial to us, and he's promised that he's going to bring an amazing victory. So Israel, you don't need to do anything, but just trust, stand, and watch what God does. And often, this is exactly what God does for us. There's many times where God brings a trial to us because he's going to display his glory by then delivering the, us from that trial. Many times where he, he brings a trial and then he takes that trial away and we say, praise the Lord, you're glorious. And his glory is displayed. He does that often. But it's not what he always does. Many times he brings the trial and he allows it to stay. And he says, trust me, great good is coming through this trial. Think of Stephen being stoned in the book of Acts. God allowed that trial to remain and then brought Stephen home. Or think of Paul's thorn in the flesh. God allowed that trial to remain, but gave Paul an even sweeter experience of Jesus' power as a result. So there's times where he takes the trials away. We praise him for that. There's other times where he allows the trial to stay. We, with tears, praise him for that. Both are to bring us great good. And in this case, God has chosen to deliver Israel from this trial. So Moses reminds them, this is who God is. He said he's going to bring this trial. 
and he's going to deliver us from it. And church, I would encourage us to do what Moses does here for Israel every time we face a trial. That is, remind ourselves of what God has said. Sit down, open up your Bible, maybe Genesis chapter 50, verse 20, and just read over those verses. Say, Father, help me to see this more clearly. What what Joseph's brothers meant for evil, you, God, meant for good. Pray over that. Pray over Romans chapter 8, verse 20. And we know that all things work together for good, good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. Open our Bibles, pray over those passages and other passages that you know are helpful until you feel your fear shrink, your strength grow, the sense of God's presence filling you, and there's hope. Again, maybe through tears, but there is hope and there is strength. You can trust him. Moses reminds God's people of what God has said. We need to remind ourselves of what God has said. And not only remind ourselves, but when our brothers and sisters are going through trials, let's do the same with them. Sit down with them. Listen to them. Tell me what's going on. Let them just pour their heart out before you. Listen, ask questions, sympathize, weep with them. We weep with those who weep. Care for them. And then, and then open up God's word. Let's look at what God says about this. I know this is hard. Oh, let's look at what he said. He's in control. Even this, even this is a gift from him. And he's going to bring you great good through this. Oh, church, let's love each other and encourage each other that way. So powerful. So powerful. Now back to Exodus chapter 14. We've seen what Moses does. Now what does God do? What does God do? He delivers them, and his deliverance is amazing. Verses 15 through 29. Verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? It's a bit of a mysterious phrase. Probably what's going on, God is saying this because the people had been crying out to him with anger and bitterness, maybe even some sarcasm. Instead of trusting God, maybe that's what, what's going on here. But then verse 15, the Lord said to Moses, why do you cry to me? Tell the people of Israel to go forward toward the Red Sea. Lift up your staff, Moses, and stretch out your hand over the sea and divide it. <laughs> divide it, Moses. Divide the Red Sea. That the people of Israel may go through the sea on dry ground. So picture it. In front of you is the Red Sea. Behind you is Pharaoh's armies. And through Moses, God is going to part the Red Sea. So Israel can go across on dry ground. Keep reading. Verse 17. And I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so that they shall go in after them. And I will get glory over Pharaoh and all his hosts, his chariots, and his horsemen, and the Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord, when I have gotten glory over Pharaoh, his chariots, and his horsemen. So God's going to part the Red Sea. 
So Israel can go across on dry land, and then he's going to have the Egyptians go in after them, pursue them, and God will destroy them as they do. Keep reading. Verse 19, Then the angel of God who was going before the host of Israel moved and went behind them, and the pillar of cloud moved from before them and stood behind them, coming between the host of Egypt and the host of Israel. And there was the cloud and the darkness, and it lit up the night without one coming near the other all night. This is probably means that God's presence was just there between Israel and Egypt, protecting Israel while they were starting to go ahead and get across the Red Sea. Verse 21, Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the Lord drove the sea back by a strong east wind all night and made the sea dry land, and the waters were divided. And the people of Israel went into the midst of the sea on dry ground, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. This wasn't just any little like little marsh or little like six-inch six area. There was walls of water on either side of them. Water doesn't make walls unless God says, be walls. Then it becomes walls. That's the picture here. Verse 23, the Egyptians pursued and went in after them into the midst of the sea, all Pharaoh's horses, his chariots, and his horsemen. And in the morning watch, the Lord in the pillar of the fire and of cloud looked down on the Egyptian forces and threw the Egyptian forces into a panic, clogging their chariot wheels so that they drove heavily. And the Egyptians said, let us flee from before Israel, for the Lord fights for them against the Egyptians. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea, that the water may come back upon the Egyptians, upon their chariots, and upon their horsemen. So Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and the sea returned to its normal course when the morning appeared. And as the Egyptians fled into it, the Lord threw the Egyptians into the midst of the sea. The waters returned and covered the chariots and the horsemen of all the host of Pharaoh that had followed them into the sea, not one of them remained. But the people of Israel walked on dry ground through the sea, the waters being a wall to them on their right hand and on their left. Israel thought she faced a hopeless situation. The Red Sea in front of them, Pharaoh's armies behind them. God was out of the picture as far as they were concerned. But God was in the picture, and God brought about an amazing deliverance for Israel that day. Nothing is impossible for God. So Grace Church, I'm praying that today will be a day when God recalibrates our understanding of trials. When God helps us to not just see the circumstances of the trials, the people that are involved, the doctor's report, whatever it might be, but God enables us to lift our eyes and see God ruling over everything and promising great good is coming through this, especially the good of sweeter fellowship with my son, Jesus. Sweeter, closer experience of his presence. Just a couple examples. Maybe your business partner has stolen the money. Tragic. But it's not just about the business partner. God is in control. 
complete control. His purpose is ruling over everything, and he's promising you great good is coming to you through this. This is part of my plan, part of my purpose, as mysterious as that is. Trust me, great good. I'll give you wisdom. I'll give you everything you need through this, but especially I'm going to be giving you more of myself and more nearness to me through it. Some of you need jobs, okay? God's in complete control of the job market. The global job market is entirely in God's hands. This is all part of his purpose and his plan. He will take care of you. He's promised that. Great good is coming to you through this trial. He's promised that. And so as you seek his face, as you cry out to Jesus, as you say, help me, meet me, he will meet you. Oh, he will strengthen you. He will fill you. You'll, you'll be full of hope and confidence, and he will give you wisdom, and he will provide for you, and especially he's going to pour out even more of his presence upon you. Maybe some of you or someone that you love is facing cancer or has died. Absolutely heartbreaking situations. Heartbreaking Understand, is God in control of that? Absolutely. Absolutely he's in control of that. In some amazing way, this, this, is, this is a gift to you from him. Maybe given with, from him with tears in his eyes, but knowing the great, great good is coming through this. And he will be with you. He will comfort you. He is not worried. He's not frightened. He's in complete control. He's saying, trust me. Trust me. I'm in control even of this. And great good is coming to you through this. Weep, yes. Mourn, yes. Trust, yes. Be full of hope, yes. God is in control. He always does good for his people, even and especially through the trials. How does the story end? Verses 30 and 31. Thus the Lord saved Israel that day from the hand of the Egyptians, and Israel saw the Egyptians dead on the seashore. Israel saw the great power that the Lord used against the Egyptians. So the people feared the Lord. God, you are awesome, more awesome than we thought. And they believed in the Lord. Praise God, their faith was regained, strengthened. They believed in the Lord and in his servant Moses. Because here's the big picture, church. God has promised to take Israel to the promised land. He's promised that for hundreds of years. Here we see a part of how God fulfills that promise, delivers them from the Red Sea and Pharaoh's armies. Nothing will stop God from fulfilling his promise, taking them to the promised land, and through them bringing the Messiah Jesus. This is God's big picture through the Old Testament, what he's doing. He's bringing them the Messiah. He's bringing us the Messiah who pays for all of our sins as we're trusting him. And because you are trusting Jesus, what this means is that you can be confident that you are completely forgiven, that nothing will ever separate you from God's love, that everything, the blessings and the trials, are expressions of God's love for you. That whenever you face any trial, it's under God's loving control. And so my encouragement to us is let's not forget God. Let's not ignore what God has said. 
Let's remember, let's remember, let's trust he's in complete control. He's going to bring you great good, especially more sweet heart fellowship with his Savior in whose presence is fullness of joy. Grace Church, let's trust what God has told us about trials. Let's stand. I want to pray for us. God, I pray for those who right now are facing trials, those who here are, are weeping, sorrowing, feeling hopeless. Lord, would you meet them right now and would you use your word to comfort them, to strengthen them, to give them hope so that they can see that you are in control and that even this trial is a gift from you and that you are going to bring them great good in yourself through this. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.